Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Justin Hall coming to you live from my apartment once again, um, recording on a Thursday. That way, I'm um, going to recap a uh, pretty okay men's basketball win. It's decent. Um, down in Gainesville. Um, going to be talking a lot of basketball, uh, baseball starting up, um, and then uh, going to get into a really, really good interview that I did with um, Alex English, who uh, has his number retired in the rafters at colonial life and uh, out in Denver for the Nuggets so um, pretty big show today so um, let's just kind of dive right into it uh, we're still trying to figure out the format of this so uh, <laughs> we're, we're working on it but um, pretty big show a lot to talk about obviously so just don't want to get your take on uh, Wednesday's um, pretty pretty monumental game down in Gainesville pretty big game I mean, we talked about the idea of splitting um, and Carolina did just that, beating Kentucky, which I thought they wouldn't do. Right. Uh, I thought they would beat Tennessee. They did not do that either. And I thought they would go down to Florida after a loss to Tennessee and kind of get a little run out of the gym. Mm. And they didn't do that either. So I have no clue what I'm talking about in basketball. So just bear with me here. In fairness, um, in fairness, this team, you really don't know what you're going to get. And they've been playing arguably their best stretch of basketball this these last two weeks. Most critical which, time. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're heating up at the right time yeah. easily. And a big win for them, too. I mean, another... So you've had three straight games against ranked opponents. You'll have your fourth on Saturday, which we'll get to. And you you go two and one. Uh, and you beat the two better teams, in my opinion, in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and you took care of business against Kentucky and a team that beat Kentucky and Florida. So you cement yourself as a real threat to make the tournament at this point. Yeah. I mean, if you win the game you're supposed to win down the stretch and surprise one more team, you're in. Right. Uh, big win. I didn't get a chance to watch it live. I was keeping up with it on my phone. Um, and like I said, I was... It's 49-38. I had something to do. I get home, and I get the update. Carolina won. How did that just happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't. I, I went back and watched it again today. Carolina just something they really haven't done all year. They just hit shots. They, right. they hit shots from beyond three. And mm-hmm. like we talked about before, when you play a zone against this team, it's hard to collapse on Silva, and he's gonna kick it out to Booker. He's gonna kick it out to Wes Myers. I saw something. I forget who it was from. It may be a fan account. Um, they may listen to this. They may not. Um, said that Wes Myers has the ghost of Devin Downey uh, yeah. living inside him. And I think he does. The kid's an assassin yeah. from oh, the yeah. it's, I mean, I think in terms of just pure shot creation, he's the best on the team. Because he's able to, you know, Crystal is obviously the best player on the team. <clears throat> by far. But um, Silva doesn't have necessarily the dribble <laughs> skills. I mean, Wes can come off the yeah. screen. Wes can drive. And uh, he can finish. Uh, so I think that that's a big one. 
Um, and, you know, Ken Palm has South Carolina right now is the number 69 team in the country. So, and right now South Carolina's got, I want to say, what, three wins? Three wins. Over top 100 teams. At um, least. And uh, if they beat Texas Tech, it'll be uh, three wins over top 50 teams and four top 100 wins. So, and right now Ken Palm's got them predicted as a 17-14, 8-10 in the SEC, which... I don't think it gets you into the tournament, but you're you definitely in, in the conversation. I mean, it um, gets you closer than it did two years ago. Yeah. I mean, think how deep this league is. Oh, the SEC. You still have two games against Auburn. Yeah, and by far, I mean, South Carolina by far is, in I would argue, one of the best conferences in college basketball this season. Behind the Big 12. Behind the Big 12 in terms of just sheer depth. I mean, the SEC might get I mean, eight or nine teams in this year. Which is unheard of. Which is, I mean, I mean it I, just means more. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think Tennessee is easily the SEC favorite moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. Auburn right behind them. Auburn, in right my opinion. Them. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we looked up Selection Sunday and saw eight teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if I saw, if we saw three or four of those teams in the Sweet Sixteen. I just wouldn't. It's incredible because Tennessee is a Sweet Sixteen team for if they can get their guard play um, right. I think Florida's a Sweet 16 team if they can get everything kind of figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you got Auburn. And, like, you know, Auburn's a Sweet 16 team if, you know, things go the way they're supposed to go. And Arkansas is Arkansas's well. really good. Um, Missouri's, Missouri's there. Okay. A&M's a very talented 13-7. and seven. And, I, and it, 2 and 6 in the league. It's weird, but, like, they're so hurt. I know. That I think, I mean, South Carolina can... Not eight nine to ten, that eight nine ten win range mm-hmm. can definitely put you in the conversation for a twelve seed or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know one of those seven eight nine ten eleven twelve seed. They were an eight seed last year. They were seven seed. seed. Seven seed going in. Yeah. yeah. So you're not going to get seven seed status. I don't know no. how. I don't. Know, I don't know how they got into that seven seed mark no. last year. In my in my opinion, no. I don't know how they did I it. Think but I think team two years ago deserved the. Not only to get in, but deserve probably that seven. Yeah, that team last so, year probably was a nine or a ten. But yeah. The way they finished off the season. Right, yes. that tournament, that SEC tournament was bad. But you look at, I'm, I'm looking at the standings, and you can look at the schedule. But, I mean, South Carolina over the next stretch, they play Texas Tech on Saturday, but then they have games against Arkansas, against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already lost to Alabama. Um, they've already beaten Vanderbilt. They have Texas A&M down the stretch, mm-hmm. I and do you, believe. Yeah, and yeah. you have, you know, two games against – Mississippi State. Georgia LSU. again. At home. Georgia and LSU. So, I mean, yeah. you're looking at at least four. I'm, if everything goes the way they're supposed to, which this is college basketball. That does. doesn't happen. Um, you're looking at probably at least four more wins in conference. Which puts you at eight. Which puts you at eight. And if, you know, you pull off an upset yeah. here, you know. Maybe not even in conference. Maybe it's out of conference. And you get Auburn at home on mm-hmm. a Saturday, which helps. Yeah, you split with Auburn. Oh. I don't think they'll win that one, but mm-hmm. you get Auburn at home. Um, you get Tennessee again. Tennessee on again the on the road. Uh, Another you get Florida out. back at home. Yeah. I mean, and who knows? You beat Florida twice. Yeah. Well, if they beat Florida twice, then that's a huge, huge resume booster. So, do I think they get in right now? No. Probably not. Um, but. It's January 25th. Yeah, it's you're still a month and a half. Or more, yeah. a little bit too more than two months away from Selection Sunday. Right. So y- you never know. Um, I think this team's playing their best basketball. Um, they're fully healthy, and 
do except not, for Corey Holmes. Yes, and do not discount the fact that you have Raheem Feldman, Brian Bowen, Dwayne Notice, Justin Mackey, all in practice with this team. That's what's made this team better. I love Frank's comment about that. Yeah. When you have – when before they came along, I mean, you had these guys going up against each other, and no offense to this team, the players on this team, they're college athletes, they're better basketball players than I ever thought I would yeah. be. Mm, it's not quite there, but when you're going up against a guy like Dwayne Notice, who – by all accounts, is one of the best defensive basketball players I've ever seen play at Carolina. And Brian Bowen's a five-star, yeah. and Ra Felder's one of the better point guards from the team last year. I would have, I would have started him in some games over PJ Dozier up, just mm-hmm. shooting. When you have that level of competitiveness in, in practice, it makes the game easier. Yeah. And you know, there's only one thing that this team is missing, and that is a Raheem Felder pull-up jumper from about 30 feet out. Wes Myers may give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Raheem Felder. I, I mean, I, I miss, him. and you know. Raw made a couple mistakes um, in all my dealings with him. He's always been great. Right. Um, I will say that, but he made some mistakes and he's atoning for him. And Frank's and been Frank's been faithful in helping him too. Oh, I think yeah. that's an important thing. When you have a coach who's willing to back you and say, "I'm I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to help you be a better person yeah. and atone for mistakes and help you with that in the future." Yeah, I mean, Raw Felder's probably. I mean, he's helping this team, and he's. I think it, anytime you can get a guy in that's, for, whether it's from injury or just return to the team, anything, anytime that you get a guy that's played before in Frank's mm-hmm. system, which is not an easy system to learn, no. um, it, it's beneficial. Absolutely. But yeah, um, segueing now uh, to the other hardcore team, basketball team. Oh yeah, there's women's basketball. Yeah. People forget about <laughs> that. That defending national titles. Yeah, you know. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday before, roughly two hours before they tip off against um, Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, so we're not going to give any details on that because this will come out on Friday. But um, South Carolina should win this game and then um, should be a setting up a big-time showdown Sunday against Missouri. Um, everyone knows what happened in Columbia. The other Columbia, the last time this happened, I mean, these these two teams faced off that, you know, there was some hair pulling, there was some elbows thrown, there were uh, a few bad boy Pistons moves. Oh, that was uh, throwbacks. I yeah, loved it. Good, um, good. I don't like basketball that's all clean, rims yeah. and banana boats. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So, I like uh, it. it'll be interesting. What do you think that, that crowd's going to be like it, Sunday? They're going to be a little rabid. I mean, I don't mean to sound this way, but... You don't get very many crowds loud for a women's basketball game no. um, at all. Even in Columbia, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, just because women's basketball is a lot different yeah. than, I mean, a lot of it is down the court. You run your play, but usually that set play, especially in Carolina system, is I'm going to have Asia or my Elena, or we can go back to um, Alicia Welch. We're going to have her post up in the and in, turn around and lay yeah. it up in. There's a lot of half court sets. They sure. don't, there's. There's some up tempo stuff here and there, running in transition off a of steal, but a lot of times you're going to get set. yeah, you're going to run your half court set right. more more time more often than not. No, I think it'll be rabbit. I think it'll be fun. I think um, some of the local uh, riders will have some fun with it, yeah. and um, you know the ones that cover basketball, women's basketball intently. Um, I think it's a it's good to see. I listen, I want South Carolina. I, we would like to see South Carolina win every game. I think that's, dominance is a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it helps when you have teams like Georgia, who's in the top 25. You have Mississippi State, who's 
defending runner-up. They're number yeah. two in the country. Haven't lost yet. Haven't lost yet at all. And you still have UConn at number one, and now Missouri and Tennessee. I mean, there's this, there's there's competition yeah, in the SEC again, and yeah. it's good for it's good for these girls. It's good to give a product like that. It's yeah, good to make yeah. it worth watching. Um, there's a rivalry between. I hate to be this way, but this is the only sport in which South Carolina and Missouri are actually a rivalry. Yeah. Just for, for what it's worth, and there's although, no trophy involved. Although I will say that football rivalry's gotten pretty intense recently. Recently, that, yeah. Those players care about that one a little bit more than I've noticed they care about. Yeah. I think they care about every game. I'll go ahead and say that. But <laughs> this one, be careful on the message yeah. tower. These, this, the Missouri game feels different sometimes. I think it's after that double overtime. Yeah. In Columbia, I think mm-hmm. that changed things because Missouri's number five. And yeah. after, since that game, and then the next year, they come in and they come back from fourteen down to beat Carolina yeah. and Columbia. I think it's kind of changed the tone. Mm-hmm. But uh, seeing Dante Sawyer and Taylor Stallworth and some of those guys after, because they won two straight, so right. that win in South at South Carolina and then at Missouri this year, that that win seems to mean a little bit more now, which is kind of weird. A lot of talking I, I, between those I, two. I, clubs. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Going forward, but yes. Um, I mean, it should be a good game. I think the fans will be full throat. Yeah. I think Dawn. I think Dawn is as good as any coach. Her and Frank both. Frank, not so much actually. Of harnessing the moment and actually making the players buy into the narrative. Yeah. I think Dawn embraces the idea of being the underdog against UConn. I think she embraces the idea of wanting to upheave Tennessee's reign. Yeah. And I think she's going to buy into the fact. Okay, these people, this team hates you. Yeah. This team does not like you. This team wants to destroy you. You have to go out and punch them in the mouth. Mm -hmm. I I really do think that's what she'll do. I may be wrong. And Frank, to a degree, yes, but he's very much a every game means the same. Mm -hmm. You know, one game doesn't mean more than the next. Um, His response after Kentucky illustrates that. I mean, mean, yeah, it's great that we beat, you know, they beat, you know, the number 16 or 18, depending on which pool you look at, Mm -hmm. team in the country, but all of a sudden. You know, you, you, you lay an egg against lay an egg against Tennessee, then all that good feeling goes away. Yeah. So I know I think this is a big game, and then again, like I said the last time, you turn around, you play UConn on the first. Yeah. How what's left? Mm. Are there body parts missing? Yeah. I mean, like how, how many open how many open wounds are there? Have they yeah. finished cleaning the blood off the court? And a lot of things go into go into that UConn game. Right, and and honestly, at this point, I'm with you. You want to beat UConn, but I think this Missouri game is far more important if you get past Arkansas. This Missouri game is far more important. You got to keep pace with Tennessee in the, in the SEC. Mm. Um, positioning in that in that tournament's huge. If you win the SEC tournament, you will be a number one seed. Yeah. Period. You got to, and it's hard to leave the. SEC champion off that number one line. Right. I mean, it's also hard to leave a 25-win team out of the NCAA tournament, but we all learned a few years ago. They can do that. They the can N- do that whenever the they want. Yeah. 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 Or the committee to select. And I just think – and UConn's just – UConn's just better. I mean, I mean, in fairness, they're better than everyone. everyone. They're better than everyone. And when I say they're better, I mean they're better than everyone, and no one can deny it. No. Watch them play. They shoot the lights out. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. So this Missouri – you're, you're – Better than Missouri, talent wise. Show it, yeah. Make sure I see it. That's basically what I'm saying. Is mm-hmm. you get roughed up, okay? Rough them up. Mm-hmm. Play your game. Your game is the same. Rough yeah. them up. Play a little dirty if you got to foul. Yeah. That's what basketball. You got five of them. Use them. Mm-hmm. So or four of them. Use yeah. Them. It'll be interesting to see because I do think that grand scheme mm-hmm. that you want this Missouri game a little bit more. Sure. Um, but. UConn's obviously a huge one uh, in terms of obviously recruiting and whatnot, but who knows? Um, it should be a fun one. 
I, I think both are going to be fun. The atmosphere for UConn. I've been in the building. I was in the building for the last one in Columbia, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just. It, I mean, it was a sellout. It was it was a massive game. So it, it'll be, if not a sellout, pretty damn close to a sellout. Yeah. Um, so that, that should be fun. And our last topic before our, our interview is what I described as my last one, my domain. Your domain. Um, the, the sport that I've kind of hitched my wagon to here at South Carolina. Um, a good wagon. For, for better or worse, my wagon. <laughs> uh, it, baseball starting up. Um, which is exciting. Um, Mark Kingston, this is recorded on a uh, Thursday. Mark Kingston had his media day, where, and then we also got to talk to players afterwards. Um, he's, in one word, anxious about everything. I mean, he's just ready sure. to you know, put all this talk behind him. Uh, he's ready to just go and do it. So yeah. um, he's excited for that. And... Uh, I think the players are too. I think they're tired of talking. So I, I would say so. I mean, and, yeah. So it'll be uh, interesting. I'm excited to see what this team has to offer and how things kind of shake out over the next few weeks leading up to scrimmage or in scrimmages, which start this weekend, um, 4 p.m. on Friday. Open to the public, right? Open to the public, free. Um, it's a good weekend for it too. It won't be cold. Get out there and watch yeah. the baseball. And it should be. I mean, you could probably zip over right from basketball on Saturday with the Founders and. Um, for they, coming in for the whole weekend, yeah. so uh, they line it up perfectly. And yep, and then, up against a good VMI team. Yeah, and so it, it, it'll be fun. Um, a lot of stories coming from that, obviously. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see how this team shapes up in terms of the weekend rotation, the bullpen, and then kind of who settles into what roles um, after that. They got, they got some time. I'm looking at the schedule. You just happen to have laying around, yeah, because it's your domain. <laughs> um, got some tough games. Yeah, they got it, some tough series. I mean, like some look, tough places. Yeah, when you look at the the teams they have to play, I mean, I think I mean it's probably close to ten top twenty five teams. Yeah, I mean, Clemson I will probably be one eventually, so you yeah. can count that. When you got Florida, yeah. Florida's your first SEC series. Like who did who did yeah. who did Carolina pick up yeah. in, the, in the SEC office? Yeah. Um, Georgia's never easy. Tennessee's getting there. North Carolina in a neutral site. That's where Carolina fans will look. April 3rd against North Carolina in Charlotte. Kingston's alma mater. And and what has happened the last couple of times they, South Carolina's played North yes. Carolina baseball? Oh, yeah. Side. Yeah. I think Carolina fans, as long as it's not 15-1, to 1, they'll be okay, right? Arkansas on the road, tough. LSU, mm-hmm. tough. Ole Miss, tough. Yeah, these Missouri, are tough. And A&M, yeah. strong. The, I, it's insane. I mean, there's a, that stretch of, you know, you got Florida – and then, what, two weeks later, you have Kentucky at Kentucky, mm-hmm. who were two wins away from a College World Series last year. And, and then, and really. But probably, if I had to fill out an eight for Omaha right now, they'd be in my eight. Yeah. I mean, they're good. And then you turn around um, and play Arkansas the next weekend. Yeah. And then LSU Which, the And Arkansas is probably another College World Series team. They're that good. LSU is, too. LSU. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Mm, I think team. Ole Miss is definitely a regional host of top 16. Yeah. A&M's always good. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. And then you got to watch um, out for those pesky midweek games. Yeah, and the midweek games aren't bad either. I mean, yeah. you guys play a lot of in-state teams. College of Charleston at Spirit Communications. That'll be yeah. fun. So it'll okay. be. Who's coaching there now? Some guy that used to coach at oh, Founders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's good. Um, I watch his son play football over at Hammond. Yeah, he's, he's pretty decent. Yeah, pretty decent baseball coach. No, Carol. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if we talked about it before. 
like any baseball team, they throw strikes. Yeah. You got something. I mean, I think the bats are there. Yeah, and I think that I think that's what Kingston talked about today is, you know, they want guys. Obviously, strikes are a pretty big, important part of baseball. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm new to this. Can I'm they just, just can yeah. they just throw strikes? Like, is that that's thing? and that's the thing that like, he talked about where you know you want guys that are going to be able to be effective. Right. Um, not necessarily every pitch being a strike, but can well, throw strikes when they need to throw strikes. Can um, pinpoint where they want to throw the ball um, to a degree. And that's the big thing. So I think that was that's the big thing with this pretty young pitching staff. Um, and is, Adam Hill is your Grizzly veteran. Yeah. And Carolina fans think about that. Remember when Adam Hill was a freshman? Yeah. He's your Grizzly veteran now. Yeah. How, how, he how does. He is sporting a, a beard. Good. I will give him that. He's, he's getting it, – it's a little – it's wispy, um, and the, the, hey, you but but I will say Chris Collins is phenomenal, and he told me today he's letting it grow. He's gonna let it let yes. it let it hedge out a little bit. I love um, it. So jo- baseball's about Jonah Brides is getting there. He uh, <laughs> we he he had a mustache for a little bit of the fall scrimmages. Um, oh, geez, just the mustache. Just I mean just the mustache. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. And, uh, said that he's trying to go with a little chin chin strap action. Sure, um, sure. Now, so uh, facial hair should be on on point this year. Good, um, should be. Carlos Cortez's hair is nothing but spectacular. Um, <laughs> he he's a fun interview. Uh, Cody Morris spends a hundred dollars on grilled chicken. I found out a lot of things today. And things uh, <laughs> things that you didn't even know were in your domain. Yeah, that's the things, thing. Things, Baseball's that, a fun things, sport. Things that you you pick up through five minute conversations. Sure. Yeah. So um, that's all we really have to talk about before this interview. Um. It's yeah, a good one. yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Justin wasn't able to make it for the interview, so I had Terrible to I, I had to hand hand handle this one on my own. Um, but it's what South Carolina. It, what was it like talking to a Hall of Famer? It, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you working with this and covering athletes, you kind of figure out that they're, you know, I guess all the same. You know, they they, they put the pants on the same whatever yeah. whatever. But I mean, he was he was great. He was hilarious, um, and. There's nothing short of spectacular in terms of his insight and things like that. So he also sheds light on something Justin and I debated last week. We'll continue to debate it. Yeah, and because so, Colin's wrong. Yeah, um, wrong and differing opinions are two different things. Well, apparently we're both wrong. Yeah. So. Um, but Alex kind of gives his vote on who he thinks the best player of in program history is. Um, so enjoy this interview with Hall of Famer and top 20 scoring legend and um, Gamecock legend Gamecock legend and NBA great Alex English uh, we're now welcoming on uh, Alex English former South Carolina great uh, one of the very few people in program history to have his number retired um, thank you Alex for joining us today how are you I'm doing well pleasure to be with you absolutely um, so I guess starting off um, you played at South Carolina in the early to mid-70s, just what was it like in, in playing for South Carolina and obviously, you know, having a lot of success over your few years you were in Columbia? Well, at the time that I played, it was uh, at the, you know, it was during the era of Frank McGuire. Mm-hmm. You know, he had just come to South Carolina and Columbia and he changed the basketball scene. Uh, you know, it made the team a winning, made, made basketball uh, at University of South Carolina, winning thing, and uh, you know 
it was uh, it was fun being a part of that. You know, a lot of a lot of things were going on at the time. It was right in the midst of uh, the civil rights movement in uh, in this country. So there were a lot of things going on back then. And you, you mentioned civil rights, and I know there was a lot of things that happened in Columbia, and especially on campus during that civil rights movement. What was it like to be kind of in the middle of that and be a student athlete, especially an African-American student athlete, in the middle of all this kind of political and social uh, upheaval? Well, for me, it was, uh, you know, it was defining mm-hmm. because I was very much a part of it, uh, being uh, being all for social justice, you know, for all people, and uh, being right in the midst of injustices that were going on in the South at that time. You know, I wanted to be a part of it, and one of the reasons I came to the University of South Carolina to play basketball was because, you know, there had only been one other, you know, African-American ball player, Judge Casey Manning, and, you know, I think for for uh, African-Americans to get a foothold in the Southern uh, Southern universities uh, on their sports teams, you had to have a start. You had to have a beginning. And at that time, I was considered you know, a high-profile athlete and uh, felt like if I, if I made the move to come there, then that would make it uh, okay and would entice other you know, prominent African American ball players to come, and uh, after me, uh, the the other players that came were Nate Davis from Columbia, Goli Augustus from Columbia, Herbert Ensminger from Columbia. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was a big part of the movement in uh, in at South Carolina. And kind of what was campus like with all this? upheaval going on and kind of all this social change and how satisfying was it for you? You mentioned the fact that you were kind of all for social justice. How cool was it to see kind of that change in front of your own eyes? Well, it was great. It was, uh, it was still, uh, you know, at that time we had a, a, a student union mm-hmm. called the Afro-American Union, Afro-American Student Union, which was uh, composed of uh, all the African-American students on campus. And you know, we were about uh, making life easier and simpler for the African-Americans on, on campus at that time because we were still a very small minority. Uh, but because during that era they had brought in a lot of uh, African-American athletes who, you know, made a difference on the football field uh, and, and on the basketball court as well as baseball, you know, and that kind of uh, made it a lot easier for, I think, for the other students to uh, identify with the university. You know, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we still felt, uh, some of us felt that, you know, we were still the, treated like the minority partner, uh, and you know, whenever there was an opportunity to bridge the gap, uh, we all, you know, we tried. And, and the uh, Afro-American Student Union was a big part of that. But I think that having the African-American athlete at the university at that time as well helped bridge the gap for the other students. Mm-hmm. And 
kind of transition back to basketball now. You know, you obviously grew up and went to played high school basketball in in Columbia in South Carolina. How important was it for you coming to South Carolina and maybe staying home and playing basketball in your home state? Well, like I said earlier, it uh, it was very important because I was uh, considered a, a, a big name athlete and. You know, at that time, the university was, and you have to give Frank McGuire, who was a basketball coach at that time, I have to give him a lot of credit because when he came, he wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, he kept the prominent African-American athletes in the state, from in the state, trying to keep them at the university or bring them to the university. And uh, like I said, I wanted to make sure that I had I played my role as well, and uh, making it easier for other guys to come. Uh, and if they saw me coming, they they said, okay, maybe it's okay, because in the community, you know, it was a it was considered you know it's an all white university, and uh, Casey Manning was just considered a token on the team. Although I know better, he was uh, he was a quality athlete, you know, a star player from the lower state. But adding uh, adding myself, I thought I feel like made it a lot easier for a lot of the other guys to come. What were practices like with uh, Coach McGuire? Well, they were you know, they were they were they were good practices. They're nothing like uh, the practices that the current students have to go through with uh, Coach Martin. Mm-hmm. They, they were tough. Uh, we we didn't focus as much on defense as they do today but we we played or we did a lot of scrimmaging we did a lot of uh, a lot of individual work and Frank McGuire had uh, two assistants that were very good college coaches Donnie Walsh who ended up uh, running the Indiana Pacers and being a, a great general manager in the NBA and Ben Job who uh, came from South Carolina State who was a great coach in the uh, in, in the uh, SWAC, I think it was, and also his uh, his, his longtime mentor uh, Buck Freeman, who at the time when I was there was more in his in his latter ages and didn't come didn't didn't uh, really uh, mix as much. You know, he, he sat on the sidelines. So, you know, with, uh, with the assistance that Coach McGuire had, and Charlie Henderson, who was a local high school coach, was also very big and prominent uh, in, in what went on at the university. Bill Loving as well. So he had a good staff, and, you know, he made guys, he, he held guys accountable, but he also uh, had a, a, a little lenient bend to him. You know, he was... Uh, not the hard-nosed coach that uh, Coach Martin is, who I think is, you know, it's great to be that way. You know, it depends on your style. He was more of a charismatic type coach. You know, you, you just liked him because he was uh, a, a coach that you wanted to play for, and he had your back. And uh, you obviously got picked in the second round um, of the NBA draft. What what? Take me through that moment when you got the phone call from the Bucks and said, you know, you're going to get drafted and we're going to take you. Well, back then it was uh, it was nothing like it is today. It's not the glamour around the draft. 
the draft was uh, probably eight rounds, you know, or longer. So there were a lot of players drafted. Uh, the first round draftees were, you know, were special because they they were the ones that got the guaranteed contracts right away. I was a second round pick, so there was no guarantees other than maybe giving me some bonus money. But I was just uh, just so happy to get drafted. I, I felt like I would be the number one pick, but I ended up being a, a high high uh, an early second round pick, and it was uh, it was something that that I had dreamed about doing and being a part of, and I was very anxious. I was just uh, waiting to to get started, and I started preparing myself right away, you know, for my training camp and, uh, and getting to the Bucks and being a part of the squad. And I know a lot of NBA rookies, and those guys have their welcome to the, the professional league, welcome to the NBA moment. Was there ever a moment like you had when you looked across the court and saw some of the talent you were playing against where you kind of had to take a deep breath or was it just all kind of like that for you your rookie year? Well, it was in a sense, uh, but I was also a, a very competitive athlete. Right. You know, I, I, I had a lot to overcome because I didn't, my skills were not as, as uh, broad as some of the players that had already been in the league. I was slight of build but very strong I was only 185 pounds but I was a, a wiry strong wiry body type player so uh, and then I, I didn't have a, a handle so to speak I would, didn't dribble the ball that well but I worked on a lot of things that I felt like I needed to work on and I, I only did stuff that I could do I mean I had refined my game to certain things that I could do and those are the things that I did and those are the things that helped me make it on the Milwaukee Bucks squad, like following my shot, uh, rebounding and blocking shots. Uh, you know, those are the things that helped me early in my career. And you know, you mentioned a little bit of that, but you had a lot, to, lot of success in the NBA. I mean, you know, eight-time All-Star, you're you know, top. I want to say, I think you're top twenty in the league in scoring all time just what about your skill set translated so well to the professional game what translated so well was that i was um, i was a very focused and determined player mm -hmm. and i worked on my game uh, every off season i added something different something new uh, my my skill set coming out of college was that i could make a a little close range jump shot I was a rebounder, and I could block shots. And uh, I started working on, you know, expanding my range and and, and being able to shoot a mid-range jump shot and perfecting it. I, I think the one thing that helped me most was my my uh, my shot, the way I shot the ball, because I had such a high release, it was a difficult shot to block, and. Once I worked on it and I, I perfected it, I was able to be consistent with the shot. I think my whole career I shot uh, 50 plus from the field, but I didn't go out of my range. I stayed within the range that I had worked on and I always followed my shot. And I always was told that if you follow your shot, it usually comes back to you. You get an opportunity to put it back. Um, so I, I did the little things, and every summer I would try and add something new to my game that would help me. Um, 
like a running one-hander or a um, uh, mini hook uh, or just uh, shot blocking, you know, perfected that, rebounding. So it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy task for me. It uh, it was a lot of hard work, and it was a lot of work that I put in during the off season. I was always in the best condition. I when I was uh, coming out of college, tra- lifting weights wasn't that big of a thing. So I had to make myself strong. Um, but I was always I always prided myself on being in great shape. Obviously, played in the NBA for a while. You know, I think the last time you played was the 1990-1991 season in the NBA. Who were some of the the best players you got to go up against? Obviously, you played, you know, with Jordan in the league and the Pistons and the Trailblazers were really good. But who was the one player or one team that you loved to go against because they were so good? It was. Uh... I think about my career, and during the era that I played, I always tell people, I think the greatest players that played in the NBA played during that era. I mean, you look at the names of the great players, uh, the Hall of Famers that come from, uh, say, 78 through 90. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you know, James Worthy, Dennis Rodman, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kevin McHale. Larry Bird, and the list just goes on and on. And I, I played against all those guys. And every night it was a different person. You know, the toughest player that I had to, that I had guarding me, the guy that did the best job guarding me was Dennis Rodman. And he was, uh, he was the best because I couldn't outrun him. And he was uh, not a dirty player, but a very physical player, and he worked hard. He he knew that his skill set was rebounding, playing defense, and that's what he worked on. So uh, playing against him was the toughest defensive-wise. But uh, just uh, some of the offensive machines that I saw during my career was, you know, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, George Gervin, uh, Adrian Dantley, Mark Aguirre. It was the list was just so broad, and uh, every night I had one of those guys that I had to play against. And for me, it was like uh, just uh, being a kid in a candy store, just enjoying myself uh, because I looked at my 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 uh, my game as a my art. And every night was a different, different, a different canvas to paint on. And every night we did something different, and uh, it was no two nights the same. And uh, the style of play that I played with the Denver Nuggets was one that allowed me to be uh, a lot freer on the floor, sort of like what you see with the Golden State Warriors. The structure wasn't as hard then. It was uh, a lot more free-flowing offense and it didn't take a lot of, uh, you weren't uh, mechanical in your your delivery. Mm-hmm. And you obviously had a lot of success playing with the Nuggets and a lot of postseason runs there. You actually got to the conference finals uh, one year to play that you know Showtime Laker team. What what about that team was fun to play against and take me through that run to the conference finals about 
how fun that was and just, you know, the overall experience of playing a, f- a few good teams on the way to, you know, playing the Lakers in the finals. Well, we had a we had a great team that year. We were a very good team player, a very good team that everybody played well together. And the Lakers was one of the teams that we uh, enjoyed playing the most because they were West Coast offense and we were Midwest offense. Uh, they had great players and uh, we had good players. We weren't. Uh, we didn't have the kind of talent that they had, but we were workhorses. And I think we had won the division, uh, and you know, ended up playing them in the conference finals. Uh, and it was uh, it was good. It was, we we went to L.A. to the Forum and we played them the first game, and they killed us. They just I think they beat us twenty to thirty points. The second game, two nights later. We, we, we adjusted, and we came out, and we beat them. So going back to Denver, it was 1-1. One, one. And we go back, the first game back in Denver, we, uh, we're we up. We're playing hard. We're up. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and I go up for a rebound. I'm behind him. He gets the rebound, and he swings his elbows, and he hits me in, my, in the palm of my hand and shattered my, my thumb in the joint so that broken thumb took me out of the game for the took me out of the series and you know without uh, without me my team they, they lost 30 points a night uh, and that's the one thing about playing with the team that I played with everybody had a role to play everybody knew what their role was we accepted it there was no animosity everybody knew that my job was to score and, and be an all-around player and when you lose that kind of uh, input from your team, then it makes it more difficult for you to, to win basketball game. It was like uh, the Lakers losing Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, not, not only did they did my team lose me, Fat Lieber, our second leading scorer, he got injured as well. So we ended up losing the third game in Denver. And then we went back to uh, L.A. and they, they finished us off. But, you know, it was a great series. I felt if I hadn't broken my thumb, it could have been a different outcome. Uh, but the era of uh, that era of basketball was some of the greatest basketball that was played in the NBA to this day. And do you keep up with the NBA at all now and watch a lot of those games that are going on? I don't watch it as much. I do watch it some. Uh, but I, I don't watch it as much. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talented players in the league, and you know, I I enjoy watching some of the games. Uh, it's get it, the basketball is better nowadays, you know, than a few years ago. Uh, now they're back to playing basketball. You know, the free flow, um, and and that's a fun type of game to watch. That's why you see the Golden State Warriors up at the top of the board. Uh, and some of the teams that play the, the similar style. And, you know, I, I know you don't watch a lot of it, you just said, but if you had to kind of pick one player in today's NBA that I guess you could build a team around, I guess who would that be and why would you kind of pick that player? Well, I'd start with Kevin Durant, personally, because I like what he does on the court. I like his tenaciousness, uh, his tenacity. Uh, his ability, he's 6'11", he runs the floor, he shoots the ball 
from everywhere. He plays good defense. So I would start with him, and then I'd probably add Boogie Cousins. Those would be my two guys I'd start with. And from there, I could pick a championship team. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and now kind of switching back to college, you know, I know you still watch a lot of South Carolina basketball, but take me through what you were watching last year during March and the beginning of April, watching your alma mater kind of go, take down a few Giants college basketball on the way to the Final Four. Well, it was a dream season. Mm-hmm. It was uh, having guys that had put in more than one year. Uh, you had veteran players who knew how to play the game and and understood what it took to win and had accepted the sacrifice that they would have to make to uh, to go where they went. And, and they had the coach that knew how to get them there. Uh, I think with uh, Sandarius and TJ and Wayne Notis, uh, they were very much a part of uh, getting getting the, the, the team to the Final Four. They, they just did, they played phenomenal basketball during the uh, during the stretch. So in the Final Four, uh, the, the playoffs, they, they just did what they needed to do. And once they got that momentum, that momentum build of beating Duke in Greenville, I think that was the kicker that kick-started them, and they knew that after beating them, they could do whatever they want on the basketball court. They could win against any team they played against. And uh, that's the type of mentality that they took into each night. And was there ever a moment where you had to kind of pinch yourself because, or, or did you ever think that South Carolina would one day kind of make it to the Final Four, or is this was this just totally kind of off your radar when they got it selected of the, you know, tournament? I didn't expect it to happen last year because there were so many things that happened. You know, Sandarius was out, PJ was out for a while, and. Uh, you know, for a moment there, it was you know touch and go. But once they, you know, once Frank Martin pulled them back together and got them rolling, you know, they they were they were a team, and everybody was kind of like my Nugget team. Everybody knew what their roles were, and there was no animosity toward any other player on the squad. They knew that you know this is what we had to do. I mean, Raheem Felder had big games. Um, Chris Silva. Uh, Mike Kosai, you know, they, you know, each one of them had a game that was exceptional during the run that, uh, you know, made, made, uh, the team, made them stand out personally, but, you know, helped boost the team for that given night. And I'm curious now too, I mean, what are your impressions of this year's team and how do you see them getting better over the last, you know, 12 games of the season into the SEC tournament? I, I think they get better every night. Uh, I think Frank Martin does a great job of uh, teaching them how to play basketball. And when you have the type of defense that they have, you can be in every game. You know, it's a, a pressure-type defense that if everybody is clicking, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the opponents. And when you've got the offensive, uh, and you got the offense clicking as well, they can beat anybody on a given night. And when just that's what you saw happen with Kentucky recently. And they could have beat Tennessee as well. 
You know, they got to hurt down the stretch. There were some questionable calls that I saw. But, uh, you know, they had an opportunity to, to, to almost win two in a row against top-rated teams. And, you know, they've got a young squad. I think Justin Manaya is slowly coming along. Uh, Wes Myers, I, I like his game. He's like a old, tough old guy on the floor. He's not old, but he's, uh, you know, he's solid. Right. And uh, I, I like what he does on the court. Mike Kozar, he's improved a lot. You know, to see him uh, just driving hard to the basket and finishing strong, uh, you know, he's uh, he's improved. Um, and, you know, if, you, if, if they could have had uh, Rakeem Felder, you could see they could possibly have won more games. But I think that the team that they've got is, uh, is getting better. You know, you've got to take into account that this is a young team. They lost three very strong components to that Final Four squad last year, and P.J. Dozier, uh, uh, Dwayne Notice, and Sundarius Thornwell. So, uh, and then on top of that, Justin Mackey as well, who you don't really, he was this guy off the bench that came in and played solid basketball. They lost four quality basketball players, and he's just building his squad, and we're fortunate not to have, uh, you know, the one-and-done type player because, you know, you go, you come one and done, you're gone. You know, you kind of break the rhythm of the team. But when you've got guys that are going to be there for two-plus years, you know, you can teach them. You start teaching them in that first year, which is what Frank Martin has been doing with Manaya and uh, and, and Hase and, uh, and Cud. Those guys, they're just they're, they're learning the game. And they're going to buy by playoff time, you know, SEC playoff tournament. You know, they're going to be a, a team to reckon with. And uh, I have to ask, we, on the podcast last week, we, we debated kind of the best player in South Carolina basketball history, and I know your name gets floated out there when people talk about that too, but I'm just curious as to who, who would you say that Alex English's vote for best player in South Carolina basketball history, who would that be? Uh, I would say Casey Manning. Casey Manning, all right. Okay. And any any reason for that, or has that just kind of been your favorite player? Because he was kind of a pioneer here at the university okay. as far as, you know, getting, uh, making the sacrifice. He was a good player, a very mm-hmm. good player, but making the sacrifice, coming here and playing with some other very good basketball players and, and not getting the opportunity to really um, showcase his game. But just making the sacrifice, you know, that gave me a, a reason to come. Mm-hmm. And me coming gave other guys a reason to come. And now you look at the squad and say, hey, it's an international basketball team. And last question here, but I know you mentioned a lot about civil rights and um, kind of being a voice for that back in your college days. But what do you think the South and America, how do you see civil rights developing over the next few years, and what do you think America has to do to kind of get, I wouldn't say better with it, but kind of develop along those lines over the next few years? Well, you know, it's a very touchy subject in Mm. in this day and age. You know, we had, I thought we had uh, made great strides, and we have made great strides. I can see uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of things getting trying to get dialed back. 
you look at you look at most college football and basketball teams and look at the makeup of the athletes on the floor and you realize that these are the guys that that make those teams what they are and you realize the amount of money that's brought into universities by by these athletes and that you know their compensation is a college uh, scholarship uh, I mean they're not getting paid and coaches are getting paid but they're not getting paid uh, so I mean I I, I would like to see something change there and people realize that, uh, you know, the, the black athlete plays a, plays a major role in the coffers bringing in the dollars at major universities. I mean, you're a University of South Carolina student. You think about the University of South Carolina football team and you take all the African-American athletes off the field. You take all of the African American athletes off of the basketball courts, the two big money money makers for most most uh, college sports. You take all those African American athletes off the floor. What do you have? And I'm just throwing it out there for thought. But as far as civil rights, uh, I hope that uh, you know the college students realize how important it is for them to get out and vote. And how important for it is for them to to be heard and to 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 keep keep everything going forward and not letting it get dialed back. I think what what we've got going on right now in our in our country. When I look at uh, you know the, the the news and see the president's cabinet and look at all the white males and 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 no people of color. Or maybe one or two. That's not the univer- That's not the United States of America. United States of America is more than that. You there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, I, I thought I heard yeah. a beeping. Oh no, no, no. But the United States of America is more than that. Right. And it's important that we we realize, understand, and accept that. You know, if if we've got to have dialogue on race, have the dialogue. Find out what it is that, that you don't like about me. Is it just my color? Is it my socioeconomic status? What is it? Let's talk about it. Have some dialogue. And, you know, that starts with young people and universities. You know, we, we, we are a country that's dominated by, uh, by uh, one, one group of people. And it's important that we realize that we are made up of all racial, ethnic, religious, gender, all kinds of folk. And that's what makes America great. And we can't lose that. And, and it starts on campus. It starts with the university student making sure I'm going to get out and vote. I am going to represent what I feel in my heart. And, you know... Let's have dialogue. If there's a problem, let's have dialogue about it. Absolutely. Um, I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we appreciate it. It was incredibly insightful and entertaining, and um, we we thoroughly enjoyed it. So we appreciate you coming on today, uh, Alex. Hey, my pleasure. Absolutely. You, uh, you have a nice day.
That was Alex English. Um, I mean, you probably listened, but phenomenal, phenomenal interview. Um, was great, and obviously Casey Manning was his vote to stun me. Um, which Casey Manning's a great player. He's obviously yeah. on 107.5 now on the games, and um, he's hilarious and a judge, and um, kind of set the standard for South Carolina in terms of black players coming in and in-state players coming in. And um, you have to really question if he didn't come, would Alex English have been a Gamecock? You know. And we continue on the line of people that we've debated about. Yeah. I mean, so. that's what that was really interesting when, because I wasn't there for it. You texted me right after it. And you yeah. told me what the name was because that's what we were really thinking about is who he would say. Yeah. Who would he agree with? Who would be right? And he picked Casey Manning. And for people my age and even people who weren't there to see him play, I mean, you know Casey Manning for being a judge, yeah. uh, you, a circuit court judge, mm. or from the radio. Yeah. And you forget that he was a, first of all, a great basketball player. And the first black player to play at South Carolina. Yeah, and it's incredible. You know, I still think that Sandarius is probably going to be. Oh, um, Sandarius won the poll, by the way. Yeah, rightfully so. Whatever. Guess more y- young people are using your Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> more young Twitter. people use my Twitter. I will say though, Beckham had some issue. He took. Yeah. He took offense. Um, it's okay though. It's fine. No, I mean, if we were gonna build, like, you know, pick your four best or five best, then. Yeah, I'm probably, you know, Cinderella Stone was in my top four. Yeah. Um, Alex English is in my top four. Alex English is probably second, a very, very close second in my book, too. Um, and then yeah. I probably put John Roach up there, and then probably Casey Manning. Man, I mean, yeah. But you got, and, and the thing is, what I like doing with, with college basketball, because it's hard to pick positions, unlike like major uh, NBA basketball, where you can, you know, pick and choose your greatest. Uh, small forward, greatest mm-hmm. center. And I think you look at team. Which was the best team? I mean, Cinderella Stonewall played on statistically and for what it's worth results-wise, the best team South Carolina's ever had. They made a mm-hmm. Final Four. But, I mean, because did Mackey really have great teams around him? You know, you know, give or take. Yeah. Did English have great teams around him? Well, I made the tournament yeah. once. Yeah. and But then you go back to those teams with Roach and Ribach and Owens and Crimmins those teams, I would put Frank's team. I would love to see Frank's team last year against McGuire's team with all those guys. Yeah. Go, go, go back and forth. That'd be fun and be worth watching. And I'd want it to be at the Coliseum because yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. Where the noise sits on top of you, oh, just beautiful. You could hear the floorboards creak underneath. Yes, yes, because it was great. Yeah. Oh, it was unbelievable. I watched one basketball game there my entire life. Yeah. It was great, but yeah, I, I like. I liked what he said. He had a lot of. I mean, if you didn't listen to it, if you skip it just to hear us, you're crazy. And if you, yeah, we, we're not that special. Not that important. Yeah. Um, go back and listen to it, and just listen to what he's actually saying. Yeah. Because it, it's bigger than sports. Yeah. And it, it's huge. And he, um, I thought his points on you know social justice and obviously being a black student athlete and during you know the seventies when mm-hmm. there was so much upheaval going on politically and socially. Right. Um, it was. It's really cool to get a firsthand experience, uh, firsthand account of kind of what's going on there. So, I enjoyed that. Um, I thought it was interesting to fit Kevin Durant uh, as one of the guys to build a team around. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious to get your picks for that. If, um, if you were going to have to build, now I don't watch the NBA as religiously as I do college basketball. Shockingly, you don't get paid to watch the NBA. Yeah. I mean that. I mean, I, I <laughs> call me. Fun. When do the playoffs start? April. 
April for but who cares about the first round? The first round of the playoffs in the NBA lasts a month. I know, I love it though because then you get like all these great matchups that you don't get in the top. Like sure. when I'm watching like Al, you know, Al Horford and nobody play against the Celtics, it's not fun. But like, there's some good first round matchups that you can get. Usually, I, I mean, mean I, especially this year with the Cavs being like a three or four seed. I yeah. mean, it's gonna be really good. But um, who would I build a team around? Um, LeBron's too old. You can't build around LeBron. He's too old. Like from right now, I said to you beforehand, I would pick Russell Westbrook. I want to start point, with yeah. I want to start with a point guard. Um, second behind Westbrook would probably be Steph Curry. That's a good one. Um, I'm, a, I'm a point guard guy. Yeah. See, I'm a big. Growing up as one of the taller people, um, I was one of the shorter people. Yeah. So, yeah. so Steph so, yeah, and yeah, Russ have yeah, my vote. Growing up as one of the taller guys, I was always the one that said, "Just go stand under the basket." And, <laughs> Wait for the ball to come. Um, wait for the ball for the cut to come and <laughs> haul down rebounds and see if you can put it back up. And yeah. usually I couldn't. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. If that's the Greek freak, and uh, I like him a lot, and yeah. I like Carl Anthony Towns. So those are the two Solid. guys, and then you could build because those guys can put the ball on the floor, and I wouldn't say serve point guard duties, but play could, somewhat like a point guard. They're, stre- they're stretch fours and yeah. stretch fives. I mean, yeah. the NBA's changed from what it was 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan was the was the last of his breed of a guy who's, I'm a big and I'm going to be a big. And I'm yeah. Be the greatest on, power, in the post. The greatest power forward of all time, Tim Duncan. Yeah. I don't think you can argue that. No. I mean, you, ooh, don't do, don't do this. Because you, you open up a can I mean, of worms he here if you start going greatest of and all then you're time. Probably put, I'd probably put Dirk and then Carl Malone right after that, but that's just me. Yeah, well, Dirk's a member of the 30,000 Club, yeah. which LeBron also just joined. But, uh, yeah, I would build around the point guard because, I see, for me, I loved Steve Nash growing up. Yeah, that was one of my favorite players. Steve too. Nash, and, and, and then, of course, you, you can go back and watch John Stockton and, and stuff on YouTube. I Stockmeyer. He was one of my favorite yeah. players, too. Yeah. Reggie Miller was fun, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm a shooter. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot the lights yeah. out. It's just fun. Um yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing because I think the debate about college sports is a lot different than the NBA because you're in the NBA for 10, 12, 15 you only, years. In, in college, it's only a snapshot. And you might or maybe even one. Yeah, and if, you know, as a freshman, you might not even play. So you're right. really talking about three years of, you know, whatever of right. you and your prime in college. You know, there's okay. a less, there's a smaller sample size there. Yeah. And by the way, we won't get into the debate of who the greatest NBA player is of all time because we both know the answer is Michael Jordan. And that's all that matters. See, see, because I know who you're going with yeah. instead. I, it's fine. Yeah. Le- LeBron will go down as the third best player ever. Uh, third, first, it, it, give or take. Yeah. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. I mean, watch out for Kevin Durant over the next couple of years. LeBron's done longer, but that's that's true. Well, well, you know, at least at least LeBron didn't sell out to go join three other all stars. <laughs> at least LeBron, you know, Jordan. did it on his own. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, now you didn't do it at all. Well, but when you look at Jordan's teams, it's they're that's pretty good. That's they're pretty good. Yeah, they're Steven. pretty good. Jordan didn't have to go somewhere else because they yeah. built around they, him. They built yeah. around him. That's a yeah. smart thing to do. Yeah. Build around your all stars. Build around your generationally defining <laughs> player. Build around the guy who we still talk about yeah. to this day. Um, By the way, Kobe also it's honorable mention. Yeah. Um, moving on from our NBA talk that sidetracked us for a little bit, we're going to do a quick little preview since it's coming out on Friday mm-hmm. um, of the. Kind of massive. It's it's semi big. Yeah, I mean it's not a conference game, but South Carolina plays Texas Tech in the um, SEC Big Twelve Challenge Tournament thing that they have, uh, and it's kind of a. I mean, obviously conference games way more right now in terms of all that, but Texas Tech's a Ken Palm top fifteen team. 
right now. Um, they, I mean, are one of the better teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, were in the top ten at one point, um, and they, they're good. They're, <laughs> they're, they're just good. They're really good. They're really really solid. Well, the bad, the the bad. Um, Big 12 teams, like the bottom end of the conference can be the top end of the conference whenever they want. Mm. Uh, Texas Tech, the Red Raiders just have to come back against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's having a pretty decent year, yeah. uh, first year under Mike Boynton. But um, Texas Tech's just a solid basketball yeah, team. They're really, really good on defense. I mean, they're fourth in adjusted efficiency in terms of with Ken Palm ratings, yeah. which means on average per 100 possessions that they're on defense for, they're only giving up 89 points. Which is really, really good. I mean, they're fourth in the country in terms of that. Um, I will say that away from home, they've been a little bit worse. They're one in. I'm trying to do the math here. They have a win at Kansas. Yeah, that was a, that was the big one. That which was the, is that was the head turner. But they've lost to Texas on the road. Oklahoma on the road, which fair. They lost um, by 18 to Iowa State on the road. Yeah, and I would argue that Iowa State's atmosphere is. Carolina's atmosphere is just as good, if not a little bit better, than Ames. Yeah, and you know, you, they it's not it's not a gimme. No, um, for no. either team, for either team. No, uh, I think Ken Palm right now gives the it's a, they have it as a sixty-seven, sixty-three Texas Tech win, a sixty-five percent chance. Yeah, ESPN um, has it a sixty-eight percent chance. So I mean, I would I, if I was going to put money on it, I. You know, put money on Texas Tech. I'd say Texas Tech is probably the easy favorite in this one just because they're top 25. But South Carolina is playing really, really well. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that momentum going forward. Um, the important thing is to keep Chris Silva out of foul trouble. Yeah, the more minutes Chris Silva plays, the more the more likely you are to win oh, a basketball game. Oh, I mean, it's, it's just when he's on the floor, he makes your team better because the defenders gravitate mm. toward him. You know, when he's going to get the ball, it opens up. Around the around the arc and back out at the point, it opens up the whole offense yeah. all over again. Because if he gets the ball on the inside, defense collapses. He can kick out and reset the possession. Yeah, kick it out to West or Frank Booker for a three. A lot of things can happen if he's on the floor. Yeah. If Chris Silva has three fouls with ten minutes left to go in the game, South Carolina will lose the game. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to do. And that was one thing they did better last night. They played right. really well when he had to go to the bench. Yeah, and because um, because he, when when he's got more when he's in foul trouble. It's hard for him to play the kind of game he wants, mm-hmm. and that's just that's just true of any big, yeah. especially a guy like Chris Silva who is still learning the game of basketball. Only what year five of year playing? Five or six, one of the two. Yeah, yeah it's not long. Um, South Carolina is it's not an it's not an SEC game, and if you lose this game, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like I, I said it the other the other day on a, on a tweet to someone who actually covers Clemson. Clemson and South Carolina fans have a really hard time transitioning their thoughts to being about basketball. They look at basketball like a football mm. se- uh, season, where if you lose a game, it's over, the world is ending, the sky is falling. Yeah. You're going to lose in yeah. basketball. You're just going to. It's uh, There's only been one team that's never lost. Right. And that's... Uh, yeah. It's it, it's hard. Well, it's, yeah. And, you know, looking at it, South Carolina matches up very well. well. Yeah. And it's a winnable game. Texas A&M's offensive efficiency in big, just in Big 12 plays ninth in the conference, which is not good. Um, not bad either. I mean, yeah, we'll consider yeah, considering when you know with the kind of offenses that are being played in the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, they're really good defensively. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a they're these teams are kind of mirror images of each other. Right, and they've been built the same way. I yeah. mean, look at where Texas Tech was a couple years ago under Tubby. 
And now look where they are. I, I, mm-hmm. I, their coach's name is, is escaping me right now, but he was on that magical tournament run a couple years ago with the yeah, Chris school. Beard. Thank you. Chris Beard. Yeah, he's, he's done a good job. This game looked good two years ago. Look like, I'm going to blow Texas Tech out of the water. Yeah. And, and now you look at it, welcome back to the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Yeah, and, you know, this – it's going to be a slugfest. These are going to be this is a this is a rock fight and not rock fights. <laughs> is every South Carolina game a rock fight? Doesn't South Carolina just want every game to be a rock fight? Yeah, that's how they succeed. <laughs> like they that's score, what they want. They don't shoot a lot of threes. Nope. Almost half their points come off two pointers. So they, I mean, they're going to pack the paint. And this yeah. is going to be a, a pretty, I think a pretty low scoring game. As South Carolina fans should want. Yeah. South Carolina fans should want every game to be a grinded out. It's going to be close. You're going to have to hit free throws down the stretch. To win the game, yep. that's how you should want it. If you're a Carolina fan, if you if you want eighty to eighty two, don't don't no. a don't watch. It's not going to happen. Yeah. B don't hope for it because if you hope for that kind of game, Carolina will lose. Yeah, because I don't know. I mean, their defense is, and I think Frank Martin wants this, but their defense is better than their offense. That's how it's been every year. Yeah, I would argue. And that's that's a good thing. That's what Frank wants. His kind some, of style. Yeah, because sometimes you're not going to shoot well, and some, what's going to be what makes up for it. Defense, steal it, uh, steal the ball, rebound, fast points, break point. Yeah. You've got to have it and get to the free throw line. And when yes. you get there, it'll. South Carolina's been very good at getting to the free throw line. Knocking, them is another knocking story. down is a different thing. But at least you're getting there. Yeah. And you're I mean, getting the other team in foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, almost a quarter of their points come off free throws. So, so that's the fourth in the country. You're getting, I mean, that, that means you're getting there. You may not hit all of them. Imagine yeah. if they would hit more. Oh, yeah. Where they would and, be I mean, that. they're shooting. Uh, what seventy percent from the line, sixty nine point seven percent, which isn't good as a team. No. What's Chris Silva's number? Is he shooting about seventy three percent from the line? He's having a pretty decent seventy three point eight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But was, I mean, man, that was close. Uh, but like David Beatty's, I mean, Mike Coates has a fifty percent free throw, fifty one point one percent free throw shooter. Yeah. You can't have that. And and mm. and I know what people are screaming at at the TV or screaming at us right now. You just got to hit your free throws. Yeah, yeah, you probably you should. You but I, I want to put you out there when it's 59-58, four yeah. minutes to go in the world. And you just shoulders. got hacked. Right, and you just got hacked. You're going to the line, you're probably a little sore. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Fun I think, game, though. I think Texas Tech's probably going to win this one. but I'm not saying a word. I also said that for Kentucky. And Florida. I also said that for Tennessee, and I also said that for You're right for Tennessee. So. You're one for three. Yeah, so, I mean, they've, they've proven me wrong a couple times, but I um, – I think this team's playing really, really good basketball, and I think they're gonna. They have a definitely legitimate have a, legitimately have a shot at pulling the upset this this yeah. Saturday. So that's our show um, for Justin for Colin. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope to we didn't ramble too long, and um, you uh, have a good weekend, guys. Enjoy uh, enjoy the sports filled weekend before uh, baseball season starts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.